Welcome back to the podcast on everything. I'm your host, Dan Berlin. I have Jackie and Tyler with me today to talk on The Last Dance, episode five and six recap. Um, Tyler and Jackie, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, you might remember Jackie from the Hot Wings competition, which that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, and Tyler was there in support. He, he helped us out a little bit. I was a beer wench, but yeah. nonetheless. Oh, yeah, you got us more beer because it was getting really hot. He, like, ran <laughs> Yeah, he contributed. Um, yeah, so let's get right to it. Episode five. Um, it starts off dedicated to Kobe Bryant, in which I don't know about you, but I always thought Kobe and MJ kind of had a rivalry going, and that was the complete opposite um, when they show it. Yeah, I thought the same thing for a while, too, and they had very similar personalities as far as they had a lot of teammates that didn't like them but made them a bunch of money just off of winning championships. Um, you know, whereas with a lot of modern NBA stars, they all want to meet up to do one thing. Both MJ and Kobe kind of went with the model of, I'm going to win with what I have and get the best out of everybody that I have around me. Um, and you know, I know Kobe got Shaq at one point, but that was still pretty like when they're in their twenties. So, you know, it's not like, well-established veterans or anything at that point. And, you know, they made it happen for a number of years. And, you know, same thing with the Bulls in the 90s. Yeah, I didn't realize that Jordan was such an inspiration to Kobe because I was I was having many a debate with, a, like, a good friend of mine about, you know, like, who would win, Jordan or Kobe? And then when um, Kobe was like, Jordan you can't, you can't really ask that. <laughs> well, that's what I always argued. But when he was like, you can't really even ask that because, like, he, I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for him. So then I was like, huh. So I really wanted to send that to my friend who shall re- remain nameless. That, like, I mean, it's cool that he was such an inspiration, but it, the debate's kind of over. I feel like. Who would win? I guess it's still who would win is the answer. It hasn't been answered, but yeah, and um, yeah, yeah see, when they met, well, uh, Kobe was what nineteen in the All Star game. Yeah, and I don't know what Jordan's age was at the time, but he was. It was his last, you know, it's the last dance, ninety eight. So it's interesting to see Kobe, Kobe and the and um, Jordan together like, on the court, and he's, like, putting his arm around him. He's like, yeah, like, kind of like, you're taking the you're taking the torch for the NBA now. I thought that was nice of Jordan, although he did talk some junk in the locker room before the game. <laughs> you know. It sounds like Jordan did that a lot, though. I mean, it seems like that. What was interesting about their interaction, too, is Jordan made a point of not wanting to be friends or be a mentor to anybody. And the only reason that him and Kobe ended up being close is that Kobe really made a point of just basically bugging him to the point where he couldn't ignore him anymore and just wanted to pick his brain and everything. And he was like, okay, this guy really wants to actually learn about this. And I don't know if this – I can't remember if this is in the documentary or not, 
there was a recent interview with Michael Jordan where he was talking about how they asked him, you know, is there anybody in the NBA that you couldn't beat one-on-one? He's like, no, I don't think so. He's like, the only one that could probably come close is Kobe, and that's because he stole all my moves. So. <laughs> well, he taught him his moves, right? Didn't they, like, he got pointers from him and everything. Yeah. He, um, I, I think Kobe says that Jordan asked, or Jordan told him if he needs anything to call him anytime. And then afterwards I heard, after, this wasn't in the documentary, but Kobe said, but someone said Kobe called him all the time, like literally all the time, asking about moves and what to do in situations. And I didn't watch the Kobe, um, the funeral, but I saw some clips of Jordan afterwards there, and he was talking about how they basically were brothers. And I had no idea. And part of that, too, the reason that Jordan always was, like, willing to do all that is he said Kobe wouldn't he wouldn't share information with people as far as he didn't explain like what they talked about that they talked or anything he just kept everything confidential like he actually wanted to talk to him as opposed to just being like oh yeah I'm buddies with Jordan this is what we talked about you know it was like it was an actual friendship yeah um and when I first saw it, I was like, is this whole episode going to be about Kobe? <laughs> Kobe and Jordan? I was like, I hope it advances. And it did advance um, to the to be like Mike, global icon. Basically, you see they go back in time and you see Michael Jordan just blow up and there's just all these advertisements about him around the world. And, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember those sayings of be like Mike? <laughs> So I remember T-shirts and everybody was like that back in the day. Good old nostalgia. Even before Space Jam, I remember just everyone wanted, I don't know if, I guess you're about the same age, but everyone wanted a starter jacket. Everyone wanted Chicago Bulls starter jacket. Like Even before jerseys and everything, it was like, oh, you got to have a starter jacket. My first one was Toronto Raptors because it was the first year and it was on sale at Marshalls, but... <laughs> But everyone wanted 23 on their stuff. Like, it did not matter, like, as far as, even if you weren't into basketball, everybody wanted Michael Jordan stuff. Everybody wanted 23. Everybody wanted Jumpman. Like, it just, that's what it was. Yeah, it was basically like once he won that first title, like, everything just took off. Like, everyone just absolutely loved him. Yeah, my, so I'm like, I'm an annoying little sister. My brother is six years older than me and he played basketball. And so it was like nonstop. Like, I just feel like Jordan was the talk nonstop and he wanted all the, all the shoes. And I like, yeah, I just remember that being a really big deal. But, and I still loved him too. And I like didn't, I mean, I watched basketball, but I didn't, I watched the Bulls for sure. Like that's. Like every kid our age, I feel like that's what we grew up with with watching the Bulls. Yeah. Um, the two, the other two big takeaways from this episode, uh, and they get into a lot in, into it, was the dream team and just how amazing that team was. And um, they did have some controversy with the dream team uh, because a certain player was not on the roster, and they asked Michael Jordan 
about it, and he's like, I didn't do anything about it. Um, Isaiah Thomas. Well, yeah. Why do you guys think he was not on the team? A couple reasons, but first off, the dream team got put together because before that Olympics, it always had to be amateur athletes. And then once we started getting our ass whooped all the time, it's like, all right, well, every great player in the world at that time, almost every player was from the United States. They were like, okay, everybody wants to talk. Let's see what happens. And they were beating teams by 40, 50 points a game, like no problem. And then as far as Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, as you go through the documentary, Everybody says, no, it wasn't because of Mike and everything. It's 100% Michael Jordan hated him. Still hates him. Yeah, I, I just listened to Patrick Ewing get interviewed, and Dan Patrick asked him about it. He didn't answer it, but Dan Patrick said that Michael Jordan wanted that team to be about fun because they knew they were going to kick everyone's ass. Like It wasn't even a question because we had all the best players. So he just wanted it to be fun. And if Isaiah was there, it wouldn't have been fun for anybody. In my opinion, that whole thing that Detroit did after Chicago beat them and Detroit walked off the court before the end of the game, I feel like this was like the ultimate fuck you back to him. Just like, okay, you didn't want to take your beating? All right, well, guess what? You're not going to get to go to the Olympics. So that's that's what I would think. I mean... Well, didn't he kind of say it in the documentary? He kind of said, like, look, we all got along really well and played together really well, and that was a player that we didn't gel with, and we were ready to do do the thing. Yeah. When you look at it, Magic, Larry, Jordan, those people didn't like Isaiah. That's three people on the team right there. That's like a quarter of the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I heard Joe Dumars was the next in line to be on the team. So Isaiah was even like the next one when someone got hurt. That's how much they despised him, or at least Jordan despised him. It could be. It just, if I were to bet on it, I, well, even what Isaiah did with the Knicks afterwards can kind of give you an idea that he's kind of an ass. But even before that, as a player, I know you rubbed Jordan the wrong way, and I'm sure you rubbed a lot of other players the wrong way. So I have a feeling most of it was Jordan saying, mm, I'm good. Yeah. And uh, the the coach was the ex-Pistons coach, Chuck Daly. That's I right. He, yeah. <laughs> you thought he would have said something about Isaiah should be on the team, but he didn't support him at all. <laughs> it doesn't look, doesn't appear. That's just, like, personality managing if you're going to coach the training team. <laughs> it's, there's not too much coaching you have to do other than just keep everybody happy and civil. Yeah. Um, what I loved watching the scenes from the dream team was just the interaction of Magic and Michael, just how close they looked. I had no idea they were that close. Actually, one of the funniest relationships is Bird and Jordan. Because they absolutely are, like, they're the exact same person. And they, like, like each other in real life, from what I understand. But whenever they compete in anything, it's, like, intense. And it's just shit-talking <laughs> uh, the whole time. 
yeah. you can't do this and you can't do that. I, yeah, I've seen a lot of Larry Bird YouTube videos of him um, with NBA legends talking about him and how much junk he talked. And apparently Dominique Wilkins and him got into it and he always called people in the NBA homes. <laughs> I think that was just Larry Bird's thing. <laughs> well, he came from a similar background, too. So, yeah. you know, he's poor rural, and Michael Jordan's poor rural. So, you know, that's make him relate on that. Come from nothing and have to make something of yourself. And not only am I going to be good, but I'm going to be better than you. And I'm going to let you know about it. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk about um, before we get into um, the actual games, the practice, the famous practice that no one seemed to get to see, but the best players of all time basically playing against each other. And what happens is Magic and uh, Bird are on the same team, and they're starting to whoop Jordan's butt, and then Magic is being interviewed. He's like, I did the worst thing I should have done. I talked junk to Jordan. <laughs> and then just goes off on him. And it gets, and then next thing they know, Jordan's team's up to... Um, do you remember how it ends? Isn't he just like sinking threes? Yeah. <laughs> His videos, like, I can't, can't even see the three-point line. I'm like, is this a three? <laughs> yeah, but he's just, they're just... They're showing him just making threes left and right. I can't remember if it ended. Did it end because of Magic throwing the ball? Am I remembering that correctly? No, they they ended up calling it after Jordan's team came back. But uh, before that, Magic Johnson was so pissed, he threw the ball up in the stands. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were up by, like, something ridiculous, like 15 or 20. I, I don't remember exactly, but, yeah, they – they put it on him like really bad. And, you know, just basically got taken to school. <laughs> it's like a montage of MJ just draining. <laughs> yeah, just imagine right now how much the tickets would go for to watch like them play each other just in practice. Oh, Dan, there's a video, and I think it's from like five or six years ago, but it's. Um, it's some basketball camp they invited Michael Jordan to. And oh, it was Chris Paul. And he said, if you can sink 10 shots in a row from where I tell you to shoot from, you have to give, or if you miss a single shot, you have to give Jordan shoes to everyone that's at this camp. And he sank all 10 of them, so he didn't have to do it. <laughs> it's insane. Why wouldn't he just, like, miss one and then give everybody shit? I'm sure he gave him something, but at the same time, you know, it's that guy that you tell you can't do something. He's like, okay, well, watch this. Well, I was listening to something, and they were saying that, like, basically Michael Jordan is fueled by spite. Like, they wonder, like, if he wasn't as competitive as he was, if, if he would have been as good of a player, or, like, which came first. Like, did it keep him driven just to, like – Basically, you need to prove everybody wrong. Like Jack, his Hall of Fame speech, he brought up the coach in high school that cut him. Like, that's yeah. what he does. <laughs> he just remembers that stuff and then feels off of it. Yeah. It, like, I think that's the best and the worst part about him. 
because like I don't know his relationships outside of basketball, but that can't be healthy for relationships. Like, <laughs> no, he's got a couple failed marriages. Yeah. Him, and, him and Charles Barkley still don't talk to this day because ten years ago, after he started being the general manager of the Hornets, Michael Jordan started being the general manager of the Hornets. Um, Charles Barkley said he just puts yes men in place. And he likes hearing that he's doing a good job. And he's like, the Hornets have been horrible. And still to this day, they don't talk. And they were really tight for years. Yeah, yeah he was in Space Jam with them. They were, and the dog was named Chuck after Charles Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> that was just on ESPN, I think. I don't remember if it was today or yesterday. It's all kind of running together with the coronavirus shit. But yeah. Just, it's... You know, he's just a spiteful guy. It's, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, I think. Yeah, I wonder what um, what it's like for his kids to grow up like that, you know? <laughs> I haven't heard of any Jordan kids doing anything, so I'm sure it's just you're living under the pressure of your dad's the greatest thing ever. What are you doing? I'm an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best accountant. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it fuels them in something we have no idea. Like they're in some profession we have no idea because we don't follow it. And we're just like, I'm going to become the best at it. Like, yeah, like the best accountant. <laughs> we would never know. I hope it's at least positive fuel in the right direction. <laughs> like a doctor or something. Be the best heart surgeon the world's ever known. <laughs> Um, the other thing about the dream team they talk about is, and this goes back to um, to the Bulls, is the Kukoc story. And Scottie Pippen talks about, we just won two championships. They just beat the Blazers. Then they didn't really talk about it too much, but they just beat the Blazers. And Jerry Krause is like focusing on getting this European guy on the Bulls. And Pippen is going through a contract negotiations and that pisses Scotty Pippen off but also Jordan because they're like the focus should be on this team that's won two championships instead you're going to Europe to Croatia watching this guy like that's probably not even good so they get to play him in the uh, in the Olympics and they basically tell the team us Scotty and Jordan and Michael we're guarding Kukoc like that's what we're going to do all day. <laughs> and and you see um, Tony get interviewed, and I feel so bad for him. I don't know about you guys, but he's like, I did nothing to these guys. <laughs> they don't know me. <laughs> and he's like, they just have this hatred for me, like right as they meet me. And at that time, too, Croatia, um, and they didn't ever bring it up in the documentary, but there was another player before him. Um, can't remember his first name, but the last name was Petrovic. And he was supposed to be the next big thing, and he passed away from something. But um, but Croatia basketball was like the beginning of Europe basketball. And so with them being like, oh, yeah, and like you were talking about Jerry Krause, being like we need to branch out to European markets and everything, I can see why that would be a problem because they're not playing NBA talent, and NBA ball was different. And you have a proven commodity in Scottie Pippen, which – they they never paid him what he was worth. And then on top of it, he's like, oh, let's bring in this young guy that can do this, that, and the other. You know, he's, I think Tony Kulich was like 
between six foot ten and seven foot tall, could shoot, could do everything, and they just beat the hell out of her in that match. And it was basically like, yeah, do you think this is the guy you want to bring in instead of Scottie Pippen who just put up, you know, 22 points, eight rebounds, and five assists in the game? And this guy, I think the one game they were talking about, I don't even know if he had a field goal. If he did, it was one or two, but... Yeah, I think he had ended up with four points. Yeah. But, yeah, he came and he said he didn't play well. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> well, he had no idea what he was expecting <laughs> going into the game, that he was going to have those two guarding him with, you know, that kind of spite. And at that time, that was that um, the Bulls-Pistons rivalry was the big thing. And the whole thing was they just would beat each other up so bad like who could survive at the end and that's how the Pistons ended up winning I guess it's a little bit earlier but like in the early 90s that's how the Pistons ended up beating the Bulls is they would just beat Michael Jordan to death and then basically score enough to win yeah and you know Jordan learned it because that's what he basically <laughs> he started doing to others um they ended up playing Croatia a second time in the in the finals, and Kukoc does do well. I think he gets 17 points and a handful of assists. But um, he impressed Pippen and Jordan a little bit by basically not backing down to them a second time. And they go in, and he, uh, Tony goes into his backstory of like, yeah, the country I'm from, like. We've gone through government changes, and you have no idea what I've what I've had to live through. And I think that that helped him, you know, push back a little bit and get the respect of them, which is cool to see. Yeah, they were basically giving him the punk test, and he came back and proved he could play. So they're like, "All right, this guy's the punk." So, all right, we'll give it a chance, and they ended up winning three more championships with him. So. <laughs> Yeah, and he was a he was a good NBA player. He's one of the ones you remember when you talk about it. They had enough focus on him. They didn't focus on BJ Armstrong, you know. So, Kukoc definitely means something more to Jordan. That in his documentary, he's going to have a dedication to him about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the other highlight of episode five was the shoes, um, the shoe deal that Jordan takes with the Nike. Um, yeah, do you guys want to cover that? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I I had never known this before, but the fact that he says in the documentary that his initial choice was with Adidas, and he didn't even want to consider Nike because he thought it was a, a running company. And basically his mom just telling him, you know, shut up and go listen to what they have to say and see what you think. And then that probably turned out he's got to be the biggest moneymaker for them of all time. I agree. I think he probably kept them alive as a, as a company because, like you said, they were just a shoe company. If they don't get this deal, where do they go? Like, who's the next big superstar they could sign to blow up Nike? Yeah. This is with Converse. Yeah, and then everybody wanted Jordans. Like, everybody. Yeah. Still, everybody wants I mean, Jordan. Michael Jordan hasn't played since. I mean, it's going. It's going to be almost twenty years since he's last played in 
the most wanted speaker is still Claire Jordan. Well, the contract he signed, they mentioned that like by year, I think four, the goal was three million shoes sold. And they're like, we sold 136 million in year one. <laughs> so it was like instantly like way above everyone's expectations. Yeah, and they were saying in the documentary, they were saying like they were they were the first shoe that was like, it was fashionable too. Like it wasn't just a sports shoe anymore. It was a status symbol. And like to have the newest Jordans still is like a big deal. Yeah, I love how they brought in Spike Lee to talk about it. Because I remember Do the Right Thing in which the Larry Bird dude rolls over the guy's shoe and scuffs up the Jordan. <laughs> is it the shoes? <laughs> no, it's they just put something out on ESPN too. It's like the seventy-four best shoes or sneakers ever made, and then they had another one right underneath of it that was the ten worst ones ever made. And I forget which one was number one as far as which Jordan, but it, number one's Jordan, and then the top twenty, there's like seven of them in. And then the bottom 10, there's not one that's in there. So it's, I mean, it, <laughs> they pretty much sell themselves because they're cool looking. Then you put Michael Jordan attached to it. And the fact that it's stayed around this long, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Well, and did we say, like, he was the first player that had his own, like, yeah. contract, right? Yeah, his agent made them make like a branch called Jordan. And I think they came across Air Jordan because they just came out with the, the shoe that had air in it. Oh, yeah. The- <laughs> yeah, like that's what we'll call, we'll call, we'll call our Air Jordans, where everyone else on Converse, I think they, like the shoe might have been called it, or they might have just been representing one shoe. But he had his like, own department in Nike. <laughs> yeah, they're never known as Nike Air Jordans. I mean, whenever you buy them, you don't see the Nike Swish on them unless you pull the tongue out. Everything yeah. is just Jumpman on it, and they're just Air Jordans. Yeah, and now Jordans sign other players under the Jordan, and you hear them going to there, just like colleges. I know Carolina, they have the Jordan logo, the Jumpman logo. They don't have the Nike logo. So it's kind of like its own thing now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because somebody was, like, bragging to me a while ago that they had LeBron, and I was like, what? I just, I mean, not that he doesn't have his own shoe line. Like, I'm sure that they're great, but I just feel like never going to never gonna compare to the legacy that is Jordan. I didn't realize that he was, that Jordans were selling. So uh, for North Carolina, is it the jerseys? It's the jerseys and all their apparel for the whole university. Sports-wise. It's just, he hit the perfect time, like, to market everything, like, before social media, before Instagram, or, like, any of that stuff. Like, just having, I'm trying to think of how to put this, but just everybody wanted it, and everybody wanted his logo on it, and only that logo. So, like, without having to market it, talk to anybody else you know, spread it around and everything, it just kind of organically spread into, yeah, you got to have Jordan or you're, you're nothing. 
Yeah, and that's it's just so powerful just how he could just take over like that in America, fashion-wise. And it's still lasting. I don't know the last time I went into a Foot Locker when a Jordan released, but the line is ridiculous. Like, I remember hearing stories of people, you know, getting held up because you know they have money standing in line, like 150 bucks for a pair of shoes. Like, they're an easy target. So, Dan, here's a fun piece of information for you, too. Um, you know how, like, back in the day, people always used to wear, like, really short shorts to play basketball, and then it switched to long, and it's moving back to short again. Do you know why they went longer for a while? I heard Jordan was the first one that wore them, and he just wore longer shorts. Do you know why, though? I know he had UN, his UNC shorts underneath. Yeah, he was going to get fined if they showed up in any game. So he wore longer shorts to cover those up. Then that became fashionable. And then right after him, that was the era of, like, Allen Iverson and all those players that was like, okay, it's cool to wear longer shorts. But it's it's not as functional. But the reason that they ended up going short is because he was always – Every game, he always wore his UNC shorts underneath. Yeah, and Space and whenever, Jam, that's what he said. And whenever uh, whenever the um, UNC Blue would show, he would get in trouble for it. So they, he's just like, all right, I'll wear longer shorts so they don't pop out. And that's how that got started. That's crazy. Because it's like, he could have just not worn the shorts. Like, how meaningful are those shorts to him? That You're he your shorts. He said that. He said the Looney Tunes back into his house to go get them. <laughs> Obviously, they're really important. Well, <laughs> he wouldn't have beat the monsters. <laughs> In a different view, too, he's also a very obsessive gambler. And anytime you know anyone that likes to gamble, what do you do? You have your rituals. So, you know, always had to wear his shorts because that's how he knew he was going to win. If he didn't wear his shorts, he didn't have the confidence that he was going to win. I know. I'm, um, we can get into gambling in like one second, but what I know, what I do for gambling is once something stops working, I don't ever use it again. So like, I'm shocked that like he still wore them after he lost like his first playoff series or something. You know, it's like maybe these aren't lucky. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but the majority of the games he played in them um, did pretty well. <laughs> he had a losing season his whole career. Well, I shouldn't say his whole career, but... Yeah, I don't know what the Warriors were for. Yeah. When they yeah. were the White Bulls, they might have lost. But. Yeah. Well, instead of saying that, he, I think he made the playoffs every year he played. At least with Chicago. For somehow, blows my mind, a 30-win team in an 82-game schedule can make the playoffs back in... Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what the East Eastern Conference turned into, like, the past 10 years anyways, just win 30 games and you're in. <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, um, episode 6 aired right after 5, and it basically goes into just how famous he got. Because um, it comes a – lot, a lot of it um, goes back and forth, but this focused on, like, 98, his fame. And how it was getting to him. And I don't know. If I, I kind of got the impression. I was like 12. 
but it kind of seemed like you just wanted also to get away from the game. And 1993 or 1994, after he wins his third title, felt like he's just so famous. You can tell it's getting to him in 98. It might have got to him in 93. But you have a different theory on why he um, retired. And I wonder if they're going to air this on the next episode. You want to get into that, Tyler? Sure. So just starting off, that was the first athlete. And I've talked with my dad about this before. That was the first athlete that really got that famous. I've grown up. Cal Ripken was huge because he broke Lou Gehrig's record. Fine and great. But he's from Have the Grace, Maryland. I'm from Have the Grace, Maryland. I don't think Cal Ripken was ever an international star. So I think Michael Jordan, and this is coming from a 60-something-year-old man, is the first like globally popular star. Um, and being that popular and him dropping out of sports, so the theory I've heard about and she kind of believes that he was a compulsive gambler. Um, I also know that he was very tight with his parents. And I think part of what happened with his father getting murdered randomly was that he had some gambling debts or his father had gambling debts or something like that. You know, his father passed away and I know he was close with his father. He may have gone to baseball just to be, just to find something to do other than basketball to get his mind off of it. I think that he left basketball because he was going to get suspended either way because they found out about his gambling and if there was anything else, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, he left basketball to serve out his suspension without having to say, say he was serving a suspension. Um, and then, you know, after those two years come back, everything's good. Start winning championship again, championships again. That's fine. But, um, you know, from conspiracies, I've heard that's, that's what the real story is. But again, you know, who am I? What do I know? Yeah, and episode seven, it's definitely going to get into his retirement. And episode six, it doesn't really make it clear that like it could be just everyone is just following him because he's so famous. And they show scenes in 98 of him like sitting in the hotel room, like just happy. And then you go outside and you see like everyone just standing there like he's like Michael Jackson, you know? And it, it could just be that too. It could just be that he needed to take a break and... You know, he's so intense that maybe he did need that break for a couple of years. It could be that. It just, yeah. it was a strange timing thing and, you know, kind of the, the thing around his father is just very bizarre that someone would mar- or would murder someone like that just out of the blue. But again, it could just be coincidence. Yeah. I remember that when I was younger because this is like, why would this random older gentleman get murdered in like what it appeared to be a nice area on the side of the road. Um, we're definitely going to get into that, I think, in the next episode or two. Um, but episode six does not clear up your conspiracy because they go into his gambling issues in 1993, 19, uh, and 1998, <laughs> um, in which he basically... Um, Stop talking to the media for two weeks. 
because they kept asking him about his gambling issues. He appeared in court about his gambling issues because he owed, I forget the guy's name, but he owed him $50,000. And yeah, all the interviews are basically just like, yo man, he like bet on everything. And then I love this, um, the security guards, him playing quarters against the wall. That was yeah. a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, security, come get these security guards out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it and I'm like, I wonder how many times he went to his hotel room and just played that to get better because of how competitive he was. <laughs> just to win his money back. And yeah, he's such a crazy gambler that I think it was John Paxton talking about the bus, how there's two sets of card games. There's one in which people are playing $10,000 hands in the back, and then there's people that are playing dollar hands in the front. And Jordan, being the competitive person he is, goes to the front as well and is like, hey, I want in. (laughs) (laughs) There was, um, I think it was 2013, they had a whole special about Jordan turning 50. And then Charles Barkley's the same age, and they did one for him, too, that same year. And he even talked about, he's like, every time I'd go golfing or anything, he's like, he'd want to start putting money on stuff. He's like, even racing cars. He's like, we'd be out in, you know, Calabasas, you know, driving around our Porsches or whatever, and all of a sudden he's like, I bet you I can do this, that, and the other faster than you can in the exact same car you have. It's like, no. He's like, I'm going to get arrested. I'm a black man in America. I'm not doing this. (laughs) I feel like, though, that's something that makes people, like, isn't that what made him great? I don't know. I, I, playing on sports teams growing up, I remember having this conversation with my dad that we would always talk about, like, in order to be a really strong leader on a sports team, you kind of have to have that like drive that you always like that you're that competitive drive that you're like willing to go for it. Like that's what makes I don't I don't know what that says about what I was taught, but that, that's like what makes you makes a lot of the greatest players so great is that they are so competitive and they're willing to just like have that drive. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he had it on like hyperdrive. Yeah. And he was the best, right? So. Yeah, I just watched He Got Game a couple days ago. It's a great movie. And Denzel is teaching his son. And he, I'm, it's, yeah. yeah, it's late at night. And he's like, You, me, and Michael Jordan are the only three people up playing basketball right now. <laughs> it's just, and it's probably true because, you know, at that time, Jordan was probably always doing something competitive to improve his game. And I've, I've heard lots of stories about how, how many like free throws he shot and everything like that. Have you heard those stories? Like hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds. He'd just like stand on the line and just shoot and shoot and shoot. You know, be the master of his craft. Nobody could tell him he was, they were better. And when I was younger, I went to a basketball camp one time and one of the coaches was talking about, um, and this was still in the 90s, he's like, you know why Sean Kemp didn't amount to anything? Like, he wasn't focused. He's six foot ten. He's one of the most athletic guys on earth. He can shoot. He can dunk. He can do everything. 
And there's a reason why he, you don't hear from him anymore. It's like, you know, you have people like Kobe Bryant, you have people like Michael Jordan, people like that who are very physically gifted, but at the same time, they work nonstop, they stay focused, they work on everything. And even after, especially in Kobe Bryant's case and Michael Jordan too, to an extent, but even after the just like raw, like physicality is gone, they can still put up 30 points a night and they can still defend anyone in the league. You know, it's not an accident that happened. Yeah, I heard uh, on Jordan's like 50th um, year, he was playing the 18-year-old number one pick in the draft that the Hornets got, and he beat him one-on-one. Like Sean Kemp at age 50 is like 300-something pounds. Like <laughs> He's a slab. Yeah, yeah. So I can totally see about just him not being focused. And Sean Kemp might be one of the freakiest, like freakiest athletes that's ever lived, but you don't have any drive, doesn't do any good. Yeah, like, yeah, and those are the ones that you see, like, they make it to the league and you just know they're never going to win a title. They don't. The modern, modern example is Dwight Howard. If you still look at Dwight Howard, I mean, he's not out of shape by any means. I mean, he's got, like, bowling balls for shoulders, but how many teams has he been on? How many championships does he have? Like, it's. All right, well. Yeah. yeah, he's won a few defensive MVPs, but you're like, you could be so much better if you just were more focused. And um, the guy on the Sixers a couple years ago, when they signed him, do you remember his name? And then he, they were always wondering if he could, if he was focused enough to want to play. He was on the Lakers. Joe Okafor? No, he was on the Lakers and then left. And kind of went to the Sixers for a few years. Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum, yeah. And you're like, man, if he just stayed focused, he could be so good. Yeah, you give him a body like that and say what you want about Shaquille O'Neal, like being a goofball and everything else. I mean, guy was the real deal. You know. Yeah. Um, the memorable scene, well, there's a few memorable scenes. Um the gambling trip to AC. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that, that he went there. And it was like during a playoff, <laughs> a playoff run, he takes some time and who knows how long he was out in AC gambling with his dad. But I remember the media attacked him. And then do you remember what happened right after that? <laughs> Speaking of his competitive nature. I don't. Um, he ends up like scoring like thirty some points a game for the rest of the series and wins it and doesn't lose a game. <laughs> they were down 0-2 against the Knicks and they're like, he's not focused. Oh, was that the shrug game? Um, I don't know if it was a shrug game or not. That's kinda like what Rodman did when he went on his little bender in Vegas. That, that like when they came back to practice and he was like they were like, take it easy on him and he just like ran circles around them. I mean, kind of the same, but I, not I mean, really. Yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> they both like went on weird benders to. Dennis Robin just needed to let his freak flag fly. Freak flag fly, sorry. Um, for a little bit, and then he was good. 
And that was part of the beauty of Jordan being his teammate is he knew he was a weirdo. But at the same time, Dennis Robin gave 100% effort 100% of the time he was there. And he got that. So he's like, all right, this guy needs to blow off some steam for a second. If he's back, I know he's in. I know he's doing exactly what I want him to do. And he complimented that team perfect because he did all the dirty stuff. He wasn't interested in scoring. He was interested in feeling the ball, playing defense, grabbing rebounds, getting the ball to people. I mean, it's like the ideal player you would want to put with like an all-time legend. But isn't that what Jordan did? He was like, I need a break. I'm going to go do this thing. And then you guys are going to talk shit. Let me show you that. I, I got it. Yeah, I think some of it was he was playing the Knicks, and I couldn't. I think this the Knicks were kind of like the Bulls against the Pistons, except the Bulls were able to overcome the Pistons, and the Knicks never were when Jordan was there. And he was already down 0-2, and I think he just needed that mental break because it was getting to him because he wanted to win that third title, and he was very close to not making it. You know, if he loses the next game, it's basically a wrap. Yeah, you can't go that hard that long without having a break. Otherwise, you're going to have, like, a mental snap. So. Yeah. And the Pistons were, like, and I don't know if he said directly in the documentary, but I've heard it before that that was, like, he still hates that Pistons team. Like, that was just the one that just sticks in his crawl the whole time. Just, they knew how to get to him. They know how to beat him up. They know how to talk to him to make him get out of his game. Like even um, what's his name, Lambeer. That guy's still like I still hate Michael Jordan to this day, and I hope he loses anything he tries. <laughs> yeah. So Jordan overcomes the um, the Knicks. The Knicks. I'm sure all their fans hate watching this because it's just. Every time they see it, it's just them losing in the playoffs to the Bulls over and over again. And they played the they played the Bulls more than they had to play any than the Bulls played any other team in the playoffs. So I just feel bad for the Knicks because it's like if it wasn't for the Bulls, for the Knicks one of championship or two, I don't know. But they had their chance in '93, they blew it. Um, so the Bulls are back in the finals again for the third straight year, and this time they play the Phoenix Suns, which I don't know about you guys, but I totally forgot how good the um, Phoenix Suns were back in the 90s. And Charles Barkley, um, when you think of Charles Barkley, Jackie, what do you think of? It's <laughs> very <laughs> <laughs> uh, Um. I don't know. I think it's Space Jam, to be honest with you. I think of like an overweight, really good player. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's 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 silly to me. He's like yeah, goofy. Yeah, but back in '93, he was like super in shape. He also led the '92 Dream Team in scoring, which was something that I didn't know. And now, yeah, yeah, now he's like this amazing dude in '90 in the finals, and you're like watching it and if you didn't know the history like oh shit like they may beat him like this guy is pretty good <laughs> he's got a good supporting cast 
he may end up beating them. And um, they interviewed Charles, and he is still upset to this day about game one. Because he said he wasn't prepared for what it was going to be like going into the into the NBA Finals for the first time and um, playing a veteran in the Finals because he said it was a winnable game and they weren't prepared, and he takes full responsibility to this day for losing that game. And they come back, they win a few more. It goes six games, but game six, Paxson hits that game-winning shot to end it. And it's like, man, if they took game one seriously and he doesn't make that shot in game six, like the Suns could have beat the Bulls in the in the three P. Yeah. It, Charles Barkley still talks about that series. He's like, there's so many little things that and I don't believe Charles Barkley never won a championship, did he? No. And I, I think when he was talking about that before, he was like, you know, there's so many little things that could have happened our way and just didn't. And then it went Michael's way. And he's like, it just kind of is what it is at this point. But he's like, you know, that's kind of the magic of what he is and what it is. And, and it's probably why they're having an eight-part documentary about him because <laughs> if anything could go his way, it would. And if anything he wanted to will his way, it did. So... Yeah, and you you saw how good Charles was. They went to three overtimes, and he's like, I'm not losing. And he kind of had that, that Michael Jordan mentality in that series. And it was just like a few little things go his way and not Jordan's way. Like, history has completely changed. By the way, Charles Barkley, even when he was in his prime, he's the most unathletic but most athletic person I've ever seen before. He just looked yeah. like an average guy, and then he would do stuff that you were like, how the hell does that happen? Like, he would, like, rip a rebound, dribble through three people, go full court, and see it in your face. And then if you just saw him in a jersey, even before he was, like, heavy Charles, you were just like, there's no way that guy can do anything athletic. And then just do, like, the most incredible athletic things ever. Yeah. Yeah, when you when you ask me what I think of when I think of him, I just don't think of an athlete. Like I, I know that he's an athlete, but I don't think of him as being athletic. Yeah, and then how good he was—he was the reigning MVP that year over Jordan, which may have fueled Jordan a little bit. But um, yeah, Charles is like I thought I was the greatest player in the world at that time until he played Jordan in the finals, and he's like, I realized I'm not. If Jordan wasn't around during that time period, like, say, like, 93, 94, after, like, Bird and uh, Magic were out, and if Michael Jordan wasn't, wasn't around, he might be the best player in the league. Yeah. Before Shaq got in and all that, like, I mean, Clyde Drexler was really good, fine and all well, but I think probably the best player, if you were, say, like, Take that season away, or take that season into consideration. Who was the best player in the league if Michael Jordan wasn't around? It might be Charles Barkley. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, I, Charles Barkley had a good supporting cast enough that he probably could have won a few titles there at that time if you take away Jordan. 
because Dan Marley, he can shoot threes. Well, Thunder Dan, do you know about that? No. YouTube, Thunder Dan, and Dan Marley used to throw it down on people. It's unreal how athletic that guy used to be. And then later in his career, during that time, he was a three-point shooter. But he used to be like – he was like the first white guy that really was like throwing it down on people and being physical. I, I love playing NBA Jam with Dan Marley because he could always make the three when you need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I always hated playing NBA Jam with Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen because <laughs> yeah. for all day long. But Horace Grant, you might as well just – Play one on two. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you ever unlock people in NBA Jam, like the Gorilla and like the Clintons? No. <laughs> I'm not advanced enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that sometime. It's crazy. You see, like this really skinny, like, uh, like creator of the of the uh, NBA Jam. Like you get to unlock him, and he's doing like 360 dunks, like in the air, and. <laughs> They're amazing. And then you get the Phoenix Phoenix Suns gorilla as a player. <laughs> Did you say the Clintons? Yeah, I know Bill Clinton was in it. I'm not sure if Hillary was at the time, but Bill 100% was in it. <laughs> you know what I think is funny about this documentary? They had Clinton and Obama yeah. as, like, people that they talked to. And Obama, they just had um, Chicago residents. Yeah. Former Chicago residents. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, I love that. They also had um, Justin Timberlake jump in about the shoes. Yeah, they've had some really big names come through. I mean, this is like, I mean, who doesn't know Michael? You know, who? Dude, to this day, if you just ask anyone on earth, name an NBA player, that's going to be the one name you're going to hear above anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know all this stuff about him. I mean, I feel like, I mean, they it's cool that they have so much footage because, I mean, it was at a time when nowadays it's easy to have, like, tons of footage, like, in the locker rooms and all that kind of stuff. But it's crazy that they have so much footage of all these things that you, they can actually put it together. I feel like they put it together really well and still included all the other players, too, like, I really haven't been enjoying learning more about like Pippen and Rodman. I think they've been doing a good job. I'm looking forward to the episode where he calls LeBron a pussy. That's like <laughs> what I'm waiting for more than anything else. <laughs> Is that going to happen? It could. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, they do the trivias, and I was wondering when LeBron would be an answer in one of the trivias, and it was finally one of them. But it was like the all the other episodes, he was never a part of the category. And I was like, is he going to do that the whole thing and just shit on LeBron and not put him in <laughs> and make sure like everything he's a part of is not in a trivia together with him? <laughs> Dan, how great would it be if the last episode is just an hour-long Q&A between Michael and LeBron and him just asking him questions why he hasn't lived up to his talent potential? <laughs> <laughs> I was just I'm going to watch this afterwards it was NBA players on Jordan, Kobe and LeBron and I was like five minutes in and every NBA player has said Jordan and I looked in the comments and someone's like so 
everyone that's played with all of them says Jordan, but LeBron thinks LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, even um, I follow uh, Allen Iverson on Instagram, and like every time those episodes come out on uh, Sunday, he's like, "This is why he was the goat," and it's not close. <laughs> well, isn't the argument always that like the three point lines were different then? And um, what are all the argue? Like it's they weren't used as much. I know they were they were selective. Like now, I think you shoot them like every other shot. It seems like for some teams is a three pointer. Yeah. Um, the argument I've always heard is like if you want to go with just pure raw talent, LeBron James is a like physically better than Michael Jordan. He's taller, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he can do all this, everything else. As far as winning, Michael Jordan could just win and it didn't matter who was with him. It didn't it didn't really matter, just he knew how to win. And then somewhere in between there is Kobe Bryant. Yeah. What blows my mind is how competitive oh and this is a quote from episode six, is he said he didn't have a gambling problem, he had a competitive problem. <laughs> yeah. Good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I might need to use that if I'm, you know, losing <laughs> and stuff. And I, you know, um, but I would think he would be a better golfer than what he was, you know, because he's always this competitive person. But like, I would have assumed he would have mastered it and become like the next Tiger Woods in golf, you know, because he doesn't like failing and he seems to fail a lot in golf. He's better than Charles Barkley. Just do a video of Charles Barkley <laughs> the golf ball. <laughs> Wait, how was he at baseball? Didn't he play baseball too? He sucked at that too. Yeah, but you also have to think that, you know, he went how many years without probably playing baseball, focusing on everything else. And then... In the offseason too? Like, wasn't it? No, no? it was... All things considered, for him going back to, like, minor league ball, he wasn't that bad. Like, I mean, he was fast. He had a good arm. He couldn't hit anything. But, like, for not playing for years, he wasn't as bad as it could have been. And baseball is one of those weird sports where, I mean, they have 162 games a year for a reason. That's to keep sharp. So if you're not doing that, you're not going to be that good. But all things considered, he still did okay. But when you're thinking about Michael Jordan and he looks like, you know, a 22 year old and the 35 year old man's game. It's same. Well. Yeah. I'm looking at his uh, stats right now. And in 1994, he played 127 games, batted 200, 202, 114 strikeouts. That's almost below the Mendoza line. <laughs> The sad thing is, I'm a Seattle Mariners fan, and that is actually decent for their for, for their lineup. <laughs> um, so Griffey was your guy back in the day, then. Um, it was Griffey, but A Rod was more my guy because I was a shortstop number three, and I loved A Rod until they went to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, if you're a shortstop guy, let's just get you on the Cal Ripken train, and what's on the discussion there. Yeah, I wanted to be different because my little league team was Seattle, and everyone's like, you know, like this team's awesome. And then I watched them, and they won against the Yankees in the playoffs. And I was like, yeah, now that's my team. I want to stick with them. 
And then they made the playoffs twice in the last 23 years. <laughs> yeah. Stick to it. At least you're not a bandwagon fan. No. Fun side note, by the way, um, where I grew up, Cal Ripken had lived forever, and I think he just recently moved. But um, we used to go to Beller Athletic Club, and he would show up to play pickup basketball with everybody. You cannot believe how big he was even after he retired. Like, size-wise, I think he was 6'4", 6'5", but he's like a giant person and would just manhandle people. And you're like, this guy played shortstop? Like, this makes no sense. And then you watch the videos of it and everything, and it it does look strange, but he just – he is a freak athlete, man. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he could go that long and not miss a game is – it's ridiculous. How many years was that? Like 22, 23 years? Uh, the 83 to 95, then he broke the record, and then he didn't miss anything until 98, so – yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, after these episodes air, you see a lot of Jordan articles come out. And since we're talking about other sports, they had a uh, clip of Jordan throwing a football. And Jordan said he probably could have played as like a wide receiver in the NFL. But he throws a football 65 yards. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Jesus, man. But, like, imagine him as a wide receiver. Like, he had the frame, and he's tall. He can jump. Looks like – have you ever seen the old clips of uh, Randy Moss and Jason Williams when they're still in West Virginia playing basketball? Yeah, for Marshall. Yeah. No, in high school. Oh, in high school? No. They played at the same high school. So, like, Jason Williams, white chocolate Jason Williams. Mm-hmm. And Randy Moss went to the same high school, and he was – crossing people up and then throwing like half court alley oops and Randy Moss was just throwing it down. You're like, Jesus, like this guy's going to be a first round pick. And then he goes on to be like one of the best wide receivers of all time, you know, personal issues aside, like it's, he's unbelievable. Yeah. That's what I miss is the two sport athlete. You don't have that anymore because of the money. Like these, you know, these teams are not going to let you do that and risk getting hurt. Yeah. Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, yeah, Randy Moss. Bo was like, three, right? No, Bo was two. He's the only athlete ever. Bo Jackson's the only athlete ever that was an all-star in two major league sports. And he was an all-star the same year in both sports, both baseball and football. But didn't he also, like, box or something? Didn't he also do a third? Right. Uh, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker went at, like, age 45 and started doing cage fighting and fucked people up. <laughs> he is a beast. He is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at him the other day. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> In his workout regimen, and he said this from the beginning, is I do 1,000 push-ups and 5,000 sit-ups every day. I've never lifted a weight in my entire life, and that's just how it works. Yeah, I'd probably be on, like, my first thousand by the end of the day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? We watched the documentary on that he was racing the train. That's Bo Jackson. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of track when you mentioned Bo Jackson with three sports. Oh, uh, he did track. No, Bo Jackson definitely did track, 
but I'm saying as far as professional sports, he was Oakland Raider, and then he played for the um, L.A. Dodgers, and in the same year, he was an all-star for both teams. Oh, for some reason, I thought he had three. I'm wrong. This, um, before we wrap up, this is something that I just remembered. There was a cartoon show with Bo Jackson, Wayne Gretzky, Jordan. Do you remember that? No. Wait. We're going to have to totally look this up. Are you looking it up? No. It, um, you do? I'm looking up right now. It's not Mike Tyson Adventures, right? Because I've seen <laughs> that one. Didn't Spike. Have you seen that one before, Dan? I have, and it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's called Pro Stars. Yeah, the uh, Mike Tyson thing with, uh, it was a Norm MacDonald as the pigeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Pro Stars. It lasted one season, got a 5.6 on. On IMDb, three of the most famous sports stars of the day team up to respond to emergencies around the world. Oh, I wonder how press sports stars do respond to emergencies around the world. I, we might need to find out if this is on any place <laughs> and just binge it because it didn't last long. Oh, you should do you should do a separate podcast watching that and then making comments. It's going to be really tough to find, but I am all about it. Hey, speaking of uh, clips, did you see that clip of Mike Tyson sparring, like, this week? No. Uh, his trainer is Manny Pacquiao's trainer. Okay. He was like, he hits with the same speed and intensity of a 21-year-old. Like, it's insane. And then you watch the video, and you just realize, like, how frightening that dude is. <laughs> It's insane to watch. Yeah, it's like when you think about boxing, like since Mike Tyson left, there hasn't been that big of a person to follow until like the last couple of years with Mayweather. And even and he's not even a heavyweight. Like then you go to heavyweights and there's really nobody that has the capacity to be like a Mike Tyson. Well, um, Wilder is about as close as you can get, but he hits completely different. Like, he swings really wide and opens himself up, so he gets exposed, and that's why he's gotten knocked out a couple times. What was frightening about Tyson is he would turn into, like, a little cannonball and then just come straight at you and just beat the hell out of you. (laughs) You couldn't hit him back. That was, like, the crazy part. Every time you'd go to swing... He knows how to duck everything, and then all of a sudden, bang, and it wasn't just like, oh, I'm kind of stunned. It was like, all right, well, this guy's going to be asleep for two weeks. So, you know, it's, it's – I'm telling you, look up that video. It's insane, dude. Oh, I have to. Um, but, yeah, I can't think of anything that happened in these last two episodes. They didn't really go a lot into the 1998 season. Um. These last two personally weren't my favorite out of the bunch. I don't. How would you guys rate rate these two? I definitely think the past two have been the best so far, as far as like what the documentary is supposed to be. You know, because I mean, the first two was just basically, or the first four, I should say, the first two weekends. But 
was basically just like chronicling how their seasons went and like that they beat everybody and last Sundays were actually like telling more of a story and like letting you in a little bit more as far as like player personalities you know getting you just kind of know like Michael Jordan better like as a person and like where his mind is the whole time so I'm really looking forward for the next two because I think they're going to go a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I like I I like these past two, but I really I really enjoyed just the chronic. Like it was very nostalgic to start watching. Like you know when they just like kind of went through all the wins and everything like that. I really enjoyed that. And I also, I really enjoyed um, learning about Phil Jackson. I didn't know like anything about him. And I think that he's a really cool coach. And I thought that was really interesting. And um, I liked, I was really excited about um, the Rodman part. Cause I just like, I like that he's like a different kind of guy. And I loved his relationship with Phil Jackson. So I thought that was really cool. Not that I'm not excited to see these, but um I thought they did a good job. Like the first couple ones really got me pumped. So like it brought, it brought you back to remember that time and it got you really excited. And I don't know. It was just, like I said, very nostalgic to see all those things, like all the highlights that you remember and everything. So not that these ones weren't good. I'm like, I, I liked them, but I just really liked the first couple. Yeah. And I haven't seen what the next two episodes are going to be like. Maybe they'll go in. Your theory will be right that he that he admits that you know the gambling issue was why he left. I I I doubt it, but I remember hearing that from when I was a little kid, and then I've heard a couple other sports shows talk about that. Yeah, it was the Jordan suspension it was him going to play baseball for a couple of years just because of his you know what happened with his father, but it was because of gambling debt and he violated some of the league rules, but... Yeah, and it's like they can't do anything to him now, and David Stern he's passed, so it's not like the people that were responsible can get any actions on them, you know? I mean, they can maybe do something on the Hornets, but probably not. And anybody that knows at this point is not going to say anything, because, you know, why would you? <laughs> no. And like she said, too, the, the Phil Jackson part starting to get interesting, like, I really, I didn't, I mean, I always knew they called him the Zen master and everything, but just how he handles personalities is so much different than most sports coaches. And the fact that he had all those championships with the Bulls and they had all those championships with the Lakers, I mean, it, it's, it would be interesting to hear how he does all that. Yeah, especially back then. Because when you look at a coach, you think of, like, the stern coaches that would always ride you hard. Like the Bobby Knight. Yep. Yep, I was actually going to say Bobby Knight, and I was like, I won't mention <laughs> it. But, yeah, those are the coaches you think about. And then you have this one who's completely different, and he just is highly successful in that era. Well, I and, and we were talking a lot about this when, during those episodes because, um, obviously, I'm – I was a teacher and I still am an educator and like you are as well. And you're a coach and I used to coach too. But I think that 
it's interesting to see the different styles and see like the way he just lets people like he understands people and what they need. And I think that coaching often, like you said, often it just gets like, you're going to rise to this. And if not, you're not a good athlete, but like there's people's motivations are so different. And it was cool that he was like with that and like all the native American stuff that he had or, um, that he's like from a tribe, right? Didn't, not right. Yeah, no. he knew he he know he grew up he grew up in an area that, that there was a lot of on a reservation or near a reservation. So I think his parents were pastors on a reservation. Was yeah. that was that what it was? I think that with him though, that's like that perfect storm where he had a bunch of different personalities and big personalities, and especially with Michael Jordan, big personality and just managing egos like he could, you know, as far as making sure Michael Jordan's happy, needs everything he needs. Scotty Pippen, different personality, making sure he's got what he needs, at least from the coaching standpoint, the contract shit we can go into. But then even like weirdos like Dennis Rodman, just handling him like, all right, if you need to go be weird for a little bit, when you come back, you're going to be ready to play. And then you know, the John Pax and the Steve Kerr, the Luke Longley, the Tony Ku coach, everyone, nobody has anything bad to say about. Him. And that's a very unique thing for a coach where, you know, yeah, if you want a championship, most people are going to be happy. But the fact that nobody has anything bad to say, that's very unique. Yeah. And you think about all the people that have been on his teams, that have interacted with him, assistant coaches, all of that. Yeah. And even going to the Lakers, too. Like Kobe, Shaq. Um, I think he was still the coach when he still had, like, Carl Malone and, you know, when they tried to put together a super team and everything else. Um, you know, nobody has anything bad to say. That's that's really rare. Yeah. I do remember he he had a little tussle with, that Kobe Shaq situation for a little bit. And I think he wrote it on, in a book that he kind of threw Kobe under the bus, if I remember correctly, in like 07, 08. But I, then he, was, he was still a coach, I think. <laughs> so it was like really weird. So then they went on a few more championships together. So I guess they they figured it out. So, but yeah, Episode five and six, very enjoyable. Really looking forward to this Sunday seeing the new ones that are coming out. Are there two more weeks? There's mm-hmm. two more weeks, I think. Yeah, I think it ends May seventeenth. Is the final day. Which, yeah, I want to. I'm really interested to see how much footage from '98 they actually have, because we haven't seen a lot to this point. Um, so just like, how much do they have? And it's about to get in the playoffs, so it has to be like intense time with the Bulls. And third is going to be mostly that last season because it's called the last dance. So, yeah, and the and the years are getting closer. So we'll be hitting ninety four. So it'll probably be the retirements, and then you'll have like ninety six. You know, you'll be right there with present day. You can't go back anymore. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Jackie for joining the podcast and recapping episodes five and six. 
and thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, you can find us on the podcast on everything.com and a whole bunch of other platforms. So thank you for listening and see you again.